meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight O Lord our strength and our Redeemer Amen I'm going to tell you a sad story a true story Charlie, we'll call him Charlie lived 
in a house at the top of the hill and his mother lived in a house at the bottom of the hill just before the bus stop into town. So every day Charlie would go to his work and go down the hill and past his mother's door and on the way home past his mother's door again. About 15 years ago there was what we call in Scotland a falling out. Charlie's wife thought Charlie's mother had said something to her and it upset her and she, she took umbrage at it and although Charlie's mother said that wasn't what she said, you know how these things happen, it became the story and so for the next 15 years Charlie would walk down the hill past his mother's house front door to get the bus to work and in the evening he would walk past his mother's door after he got up off the bus and walk home and he didn't speak to her for 15 years and when she got older she'd be sitting at the door hoping the bell would ring or at the window just longing for him to, to come knocking at the door Every day for 15 years, he walked down the road, passed the door, got on the bus, went to work, came back the next day, passed the door, up the hill. When his mother became ill, Charlie went down the hill, got on the bus, came up the hill, went home. When she went into hospital, didn't go and see her. When she was dying, didn't go and see her. He came to a funeral. What the world needs now is reconciliation and lots of it. And this is our job. As we read in Corinthians, he has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to do his work. If you ever want to know who the church is, it's a body of reconcilers. You want to know what the church is for? It's a force for reconciliation. And that's all because Christ himself is the great reconciler. When I was at theological college, the great debate was, you know, once you've swept away all the, the baloney and all the complexities and accretions of the centuries of thought and religious debate and discussion, how could you boil it all down to one sentence? Christianity, this great historic faith, how could you distill it down to one simple sentence? The essence. That was the challenge. And we used to talk about this at coffee time and at lunch time. And we decided that actually the Apostle Paul had done it for us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
The life and ministry of Jesus, his death and resurrection, was all about putting things right between us and God, making peace with God, taking those who were enemies of God and making them his friends. Because this was the problem. That was the big bust-up way back from the beginning, from which all the other bust-ups that spoil our world sprang. And the bust-ups abound, do they not? We see it in the depressing statistics of interpersonal relationship breakdown. Plenty that is sore and raw and angry there that needs reconciliation. We encounter it on the battlefield that is inter-family strife. You may have it in your family story somewhere. Old scores rehearsed, ancient battles revisited, tales of some brother or sister or cousin's infamy, retold and reinforced in the telling. And the gates are shut and the phones are slammed down and the offence is taken over this or that. All around us, the smell of smoke from burning bridges. The whole of our experience is littered with the broken shards of shattered dreams. In international terms, this is the issue of issues. South Africa, fragile from its shameful past, attempted to rebuild hope through the efforts not just of economists and educationalists and political whiz kids, but through the work of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. The tragedy that was Rwanda, a nation fractured by hate and prejudice, they've also struggled to find a way to deal with the past and bring together a divided community. Closer to home, we can all remember the ugliness that defaced Europe, Croatia and Kosovo, ethnic tensions that required much more than an injection of funds, a bit of tinkering with the economic machinery. While there are people who hate and fear other people, who look across invisible barriers of prejudice and loathing, much healing is needed, much reconciliation. Or we'll be back there with the torched villages and the ethnic cleansing. Israel-Palestine remains as fraught with potential for disaster in the present times of crisis. With each side of that divide bent on inflicting as much devastation on the other as the international community will allow them. A bleak future will continue to be the only future there unless there is reconciliation. So the bottom line is, without it, there is no hope. So we're not engaged in some bland, neutral, idealistic, academic, theoretical discussion. We're addressing, as the Christian faith invites us to address, a pressing and immediate need. Whether it's large scale or small scale. Whether it's international or local. Whether we're talking about historic treaties or just the need to make a phone call that puts things right, that starts the process. Reconciliation is the name of the game. That's what we're about as the Church of Jesus. Big bust-ups or tiny tantrums 
our job is to be the reconciling church. And that's because we are disciples of the reconciler. He has given us his spirit and it is the spirit of healing that pushes us out there. We were called to be, impels us, compels us, demands that we be reconcilers. And just before we buckle on that high calling, let's not forget how unfashionable that is in our world. That commitment to spurn the ways of meeting anger with anger, hate with hate, and choosing instead to build bridges in our fractious and delinquent post-post-modern times. In these days in which we live, vengeance and bitterness are legitimized in the media. Nursing your wrath to keep it warm is now an okay way to deal with things. It's seen almost as the acceptable way to function. How else can we deal with an injustice done against us or an insult offered to us if we do not strike back twice as hard? That's the world. Countless justifications offered for countless atrocities on that shaky basis. People say we don't want to seem to be a soft touch. But the reality we have to face is the question... Who is really being strong here? What does it mean to be strong in a situation of conflict? Is the strong one not the one who works to stop the cycle? Rather than let the bad situation simply sweep us along with its ugly, ruthless momentum? Is it not in fact strong to reach out the hand? rather than crank up the aggression, take refuge in further aggravation? Is the strong person not the one who's prepared to come down off their high horse and do what it takes, carry the pain, take the risk of making that first move in healing, bear the cost of reconciliation, which isn't easy or cheap, but messy and complex and untidy. But someone has to take the chance. Someone has to take the initiative if it's going to change at all. Even if that means putting our pride, our dignity at risk. Which was exactly the example Christ gave us. He took the form of a servant and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross so that he could make things right for humanity. Between humanity and the God they had spurned. And in all honesty, what's the alternative to reconciliation? Ratchet up the pain some more? Learn to live with the intolerable divisions, stoke up the fires of resentment, let bitterness and regret rob us of our peace of mind, walk past the door for 15 years. In the church, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is our business. At the family level, where some ugly feud has soured relationships, maybe for a generation. The Christian is called to move towards making it right. To work with inexhaustible commitment. To be bringers of peace. 
In the rough and tumble of the workplace, which can get pretty rough and pretty tumbled, where people are at one another's throats and there's a lot more growling than there is sharing, we can be instruments of peace, channels of healing. In any community where divisions abound, where old worthies whose families have lived for generations in their place are a bit uncomfortable with the, the new arrivals, when restless young people are impatient for change and intransigent stick in the muds are refusing to budge, of all people, the church should be creative and open in the heat of those tensions. Agents of change, healers. It's one of the great ironies of the Christian faith that after 2,000 years of Christendom, there are still so many divisions and suspicions around between the various strands of the church family. Interchurch relationships continue to improve fractionally, but the spirit of Christ, the spirit of reconciliation, keeps prodding us. To let the artificial, the accidental, the historical, or the just plain stupid barriers go. Bring down the walls that divide, that mock our oneness in Christ. And out there in that big, bad, beautiful, tortured world of international disharmony and conflict, the role of the church is crystal clear. And long, long ago, a good man spelled it out for us. Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is discord, let me bring harmony. And if we find ourselves wondering, why why us, why me? We have to think, well, who else is going to do it consistently, regardless of personal cost? Who else but the Christian church? It's a badge of honour, our badge of honour. Our commander and Lord says, go and be healers. And when we follow that immensely down-to-earth calling, it makes our homes better, our community better, and the world better. But it's also a deeply spiritual calling. For when we engage in that demanding, challenging, and sometimes dangerous work of being a reconciler, then we find we are at that point, at that moment, carrying out Christ-like work, doing what he would be doing, sharing the work that brings about the kingdom of God. What a privilege. So today... We ask God to help us today and tomorrow when we find ourselves in those situations. And we will, in the week ahead, as we serve him together, fellow ministers sharing together in the ministry of reconciliation to which he has called us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We spend some moments in reflection, and then we'll bring our prayers for others.